Hi, I'm Nick Warren, and welcome to the iLearn podcast from First Quantum. What to talk about when introducing this week's speaker, Karen Dark? Perhaps how at 21 Karen was paralysed in a rock climbing accident, or how since then she has trekked the Himalayas and climbed El Capitan, the sheer rock formation in Yosemite National Park, or how she hiked from Canada to Alaska and crossed Greenland in a sit ski. Is it Karen winning gold? in the Rio Paralympics and her preparation for next year's Games? Or is it instead what Karen has learned about well-being, about re-establishing health, balance and connection, and the importance of taking time to recover? Hi, I'm Karen Dark, and it's a privilege to be invited to be part of the I Learn podcast series. I have an adventurous soul and love to explore hidden corners of the world. My other passion is human potential, and much of the writing and speaking and coaching work that I do is centred on this. I like to know how can we be better versions of ourselves? How can we use an adventurous mindset in everyday life to surprise ourselves? And how can we better lead others with that approach? I was paralysed in a rock climbing accident at age 21, and it was a major life-changing event which has taken me on quite an extraordinary journey When we experience loss or trauma, I think it's an opportunity to change our lens on the world. And my accident really led me to focus on what I still had and what I still could do rather than on the loss. I had to find new ways to undertake the adventurous life that I love. Amongst other things, that's taken me across the Himalayas various times by handbike. I've sea kayak from Canada to Alaska, which involved leaving my wheelchair behind for a few months. And crossed Greenland by Sitski and have climbed El Capitan in the Yosemite National Park. And alongside all of those adventures, I've spent the last 12 years competing in the Paralympic sport of hand cycling, which is basically a low-lying recumbent bike pedaled with the arms that kind of looks a bit like a sunbed on wheels. It's a long, long story from being a very slow rider to learning how to train properly and having a coach, but... I competed in the London Paralympics and won silver, and then in the Rio Paralympic Games, I won gold. And it happened to be the 79th medal for my country. So there's a bit of a story involved, but that led on to my most recent project called Quest 79. I've been cycling across seven continents in nine rides, and alongside my own adventures, I've been encouraging people to begin their own version of an adventure. Whatever that might be for them, it could be taking 79 steps or reading 79 books, just anything that helps you realise you can achieve far more than you think you can. And that when we have courage, are inspired by others, and we're willing to work hard and love ourselves and those around us enough to step out of our comfort zone and try something new, we can learn some incredible things. All of my Quest 79 journeys are complete now, apart from the Tokyo Paralympic Games and the journey in Antarctica. The plan there is, well, I'm feeling really intimidated by it, but it's to ski to 79 degrees latitude and longitude and create a new pole that will be called the Pole of Possibility. But today I'd like to share with you the adventure that has been the most significant of these Quest 79 journeys for me personally, although it definitely wasn't the most dramatic or extreme that I've ever taken. 
In 2018, I was the very fortunate winner of the BBC Radio 4 Royal Geographical Society Journey of a Lifetime Award, where I cycled the length of the Murray River, a vulnerable Australian river ecosystem. I'd felt burned out after 10 years of almost continuous high-level training for Paralympic hand cycling, and I had taken my seemingly endless energy for granted, but it was gone. I never sought a medical diagnosis, but I had this feeling of exhaustion and lacklustre, and I felt to be dragging myself through life instead of dancing. I'm normally an energetic, positive and focused person, but I'd completely lost my energy and sparkle for life. It felt quite a strange and quite scary place to be. I first came across the story of the Murray River when a friend told me about an Australian woman who swam its 2,000 mile length. I was amazed at the idea of swimming 2,000 miles because I'm not a keen swimmer, but it led me to learn more about the river. And the more I learned, the more I was really attracted to go and explore its fascinating story. So myself and just one friend began our journey at the source of the river in the Snowy Mountains. I wanted to use the landscape to explore my own journey as an athlete. As an athlete, I'd never considered that my body wouldn't keep on giving because it always had. And in the process, I'd pushed through when sometimes I was exhausted and kept squeezing myself just for more and more. And instead of listening to what my body needed, I just constantly overrode it and forced myself to train harder instead of responding to what my body really was telling me. So I wanted to learn from the river and its people about perhaps ways to manage limited resources more sustainably. I was asking myself questions like, is it possible to still flourish and keep everything working and flowing whilst our ecosystem, the body or the landscape, stays healthy? You can listen to the radio program that I made. It's still on the BBC Radio 4 website. So if you googled from source to see via me, you will find that program. So along the Murray River, they're growing very water-hungry crops, but there isn't enough water. They're diverting water from other rivers, and as a result, there are communities left without any water. It's just not sustainable, and the ecosystem is really struggling as a result. I kind of saw the river's story as a huge metaphor for what I'd experienced with my own body, and the story that much of us are living. In most working worlds, the focus is about more producing more, selling more, doing more. It's like a constant and unending focus on better performance. But at what cost? On ourselves, on our health, on our families, our environment, and just the long-term well-being of everybody and everything. While we were riding the river, we had to adapt to the environment and make it our friend instead of our foe. With the focus being on meeting people and learning about the river, we took days of rest that I would never normally consider taking when there's a long road ahead and the kilometres are calling. But in taking that rest, we were refreshed so that every time we began riding again, we felt good, we moved faster, and just enjoyed the cycling so much more. We just seemed to cover the landscape without really it being a problem, whereas normally I feel like it's a bit more of a struggle. As we headed towards southern Australia and the sun got hotter, this burning sun and long roads across desert landscape, sometimes there were like 200 kilometre stretches of almost dead straight road with juggernauts bearing down and no shelter from the sun. So instead of pushing and suffering, we changed our ways and decided to try and move with the rhythm of nature and of the landscape. And so we rode through the night instead of the day. We'd sit in a cafe and wait until the sun was going down and then we'd begin riding in the cool of the evening, watch the sunset and the moon rise and fall, hear the animals of the night burst into song 
And we were filled up by our surroundings because we were flexing with what was rather than forcing on regardless. On the final day of the journey with the Murray River, I rode on my own to the end of a narrow track that led towards the mouth of the river. It seemed the most beautiful day ever, perhaps because I had this overwhelming sense of gratitude. I felt alive again, I had energy. I felt so grateful for my shoulders and arms that had pedalled me the length of the river, for the incredible kindness we'd received along the way, for the opportunity to be creative, to make a radio programme, for friendship, for my experiences as an athlete, for my life, for just about everything. I think you get the idea. I was experiencing a kind of a kind of power shower of gratitude. It was quite something and quite moving. In the 2,000 miles following the river, it's peaceful, slower moving pace and the care that communities have for each other and the environment had a profound effect on me. I went from being disillusioned and unmotivated to feeling really invigorated and inspired. Somehow I felt that I'd reframed my previous state of stress and worn outness by re-establishing health, balance and connection with people and place. I felt creative again. I felt bursting with ideas. I was ready to bring my best back into the world. And it was such a relief. I can't be missing that for all two years. Since then, even though I've been training hard for the Tokyo Paralympics, it's felt really different and a lot more balanced. Everything feels a lot more sustainable and without pressure. It feels healthy. When each cell in our body is flourishing instead of being tortured, I'm convinced we can be better than ever at what we do and really enjoy the journey a lot more. The Murray River has taught me to trade in pressure, stress and struggle for something much more organic, flexible and healthy. So training for the Tokyo Paralympics, I'm not suffering anymore. I'm just enjoying the journey, even when I have a really hard session to go and do. I don't feel this sense of dread or or pressure with it. I'm just ready for it. And this year, my powers on the bike have been better than they've been for eight years. We live in a volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous world now more than ever. And instead of clutching, pushing and forcing out ways to keep performing, perhaps we can all live and lead with more resilience if we just allow ourselves more space and time for recovery so that things can flow again. As a leader, as a person, trust yourself and your team or your family or those around you. Trust yourself and everyone enough to know that positive intent is present and that creativity and solutions will definitely emerge from the sea of uncertainty. Thank you so much for listening and um, I hope that in sharing my story you find something in there that will help you on your journey through uncertain times and good luck. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the iLearn podcast from First Quantum. You will meet Karen when we launch iLearn, First Quantum's new corporate university, later in the year. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed Karen's story. There will be another speaker and a new episode out next week. Until then, thanks for listening and see you next time. All episodes of the iLearn podcast have been produced by Fresh Air Production and everybody involved has given their time for free.